Barry Preston joining me, Jan Klein, for Thursday Finance today. We'll be taking a look at dividend reinvestment, how it works and how it can help you, and also buying overseas shares. We'll have our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, and just round the corner, we'll take a look at commodities. To NURFM, it's 14 past 12, and Thursday Finance, Barry Preston. What's up with commodities this week? And is anything up, in fact? Well, the biggest mover was tin. It's up 3%, uh, something like $1,013. Tin. Now, when we talk about tin, we're talking about SN, the metal SN, not not the kicking a tin can down the road. That tin is, in actual fact, is iron ore, the tin that we're talking about there. But this is different. This, this is, the is one a different that's tin. Yeah, tin. that's FE. That's that FE one, that okay. one that rusts. This tin is SN. doesn't rust. Mm. And you often find it in pewters and things like that. Computers it's, and pewters. No, no, pewters, like you're uh, yes. drinking um, mug or whatever, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. It's a greyish colour tin. A very rare metal. You don't find it very much. It's uh, uh, quite uh, quite expensive. Well, let's have a look at the commodities and have a little bit of a yak about that. Gold, it was a non-event over the week, 1,387 Australian per ounce or converted to 1,294 American. Silver, very little change there, nine cents difference, $22.14 an ounce. Copper is up $217, or two and nearly 3% also, 7,675. They call that the red metal copper. And nickel, 20,269, that's $160 per tonne Australian ahead, not quite 1%. Tin, as I said, 1,013 to 24,497. Um, there's a lot of uses for tin in uh, welding and soldering and all that sort of thing, um, mm. where you're not supposed to use lead anymore. You're supposed to use something else because of the, uh, the toxic yeah, yeah, uh, things better. in there. Uh, currencies. Well, we... Uh, 1.13 cents down on the US dollar. In other words, it costs you a lot more to buy a, a, an American dollar. Approximately 107 Australian dollars will buy you one American dollar. And uh, well, you're only going to get about 93.24 US uh, cents for your Australian dollar. Now, British pence, very little change. Again, we've weakened against the British uh, pence. 55.11 British pence to the Australian dollar. Chinese yuan renminbi, 5.75, that's down slightly on last week. I think it last week was about 5.85 to the Australian dollar. The New Zealand, no change. We are exactly the same, 109.6 New Zealand cents to the Australian dollar. Euros, 69.5. Last week it was 70.1, so there's a 0.6 difference there. And Canada, Exactly the same, 101.3. So Canada and New Zealand, no change. And if you're heading off to Norway, you would probably get about 5.833 Norwegian Krona. Krona. Now, is there an ampersand on the end, like a cafe? C oh, you mean an accent of some sort? Yes, I think no, it is. No, no, it's just the way they say it. Is it? Yes. Oh, of course, it's K-R-O-N-E. That's right. Krona. That's what they say. Why don't they say crony? No, that's all right. Yeah. Well, perhaps they're not all good mates with their money. <laughs> markets. Now, now, tell me, just before we get on to the markets, is there any particular reason you can see for our being down against most of the currencies? There was talk of our Australian dollar. Uh, the Reserve Bank wants to get it down and it's talking about reducing the interest rates. 
if you read one page of the financial review or pages of the papers. And then if you read nut, you turn the pages over and they're saying that the Reserve Bank may look at increasing interest rates because of the hot property market. So in actual fact, and then if you read on further, which we'll talk to Henry about, the Australian banks have raised a huge amount of billions of dollars overseas quite cheap. So what is the need of the Australian Reserve Bank? Because oh. it sets the interest rates, but the banks have been setting the interest rates lately. So... Oh, keeps a few people employed, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And probably that's where we keep our gold reserve. Not in the bank there, somewhere. I don't know where they keep it, but mm, that's another It's got to be somewhere. got to be somewhere. But the markets, our market is ahead 48 points or 0.8 of 1% to 5,615. And it's up again today. This is the highest it's been for quite some time. Um, the US Dow, 206 down to 16,880. The Nasdaq down 11 points to 4,462. The UK FTSE up a huge amount of... 25 points to 6,773. The Japanese Nikkei, the Japanese Nikkei and the Hang Seng were were raging. The Nikkei was 318 points ahead or 2% to 15,646. And the Hang Seng, Hang Seng, 761 or 3% to 24,732. So they must think things are good over there. Mm. And of course, oil. Mm. Well... If uh, the American West Texas Intermediate, as you hear it over the radio, uh, 100.27 is an actual fact, 107.53 Australian per barrel of uh, American oil. Ours is 118.54. Now, the American oil is down $1.75 Australian a barrel for the week, and ours is up $2.13, basically because of our currency. However... It's interesting. The oil at the Bowser. Now, in Newcastle, it is uh, average 155.9, and I haven't seen one like that, of course. And the diesel is 158.8, I think, the last one I looked at, the new increase, 158.1. Central Coast, it's down there, it's 155.7. So it's more expensive on the Central Coast, That's even though it's down 1.5 cents. They've been listening to us, I think. And their diesel down there is 158.2. And, of course, our friends 160-odd kilometres down the road, they're 144.2. So it must cost approximately uh, $0.14 cents a litre to transport from Sydney to Newcastle. What are you laughing at, Jane? And their diesel down there is 153.8, down 0.003 of a cent. And of course, Grafton is 148.5, and Orange is 149.7. No little, very little change up there. But their diesel is more expensive. Their diesel is more expensive. How they work it out, I have no idea. They would probably use more diesel in the country areas of New South Wales, do you think? But the diesel price doesn't change that much. No. And it is the movement of the nation. Diesel oil moves the nation because of trucks and that sort of thing. And irrespective of whether you're on the green side or the red side, that's how things get from point A to point B. If you bring back the horses, then everyone will be complaining about the droppings. So I don't know where we go. Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, time we went for our market snapshot. And of course, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice and a product disclosure statement should always be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners or BBY stockbrokers may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. BBY's Financial Services uh, Licence, 238095, Pritchard and Partners, 246712. I thought I'd swap that around, Henry, to make it a little bit more interesting. Oh, it's good to keep the listeners interested, Barry. Oh, absolutely. Now, here we go. Now, talk of the RBA may 
may cut rates to possibly help bring down the Australian dollar, sort of fired up the market. But then I turn the page over to the Financial Review and they're talking about that they may increase rates to try and stop the price of houses increasing. What's going on? And as we mentioned last week about the irrelevance of the RBA, I noticed the big <laughs> banks raised some $125 billion overseas at very cheap rates. I wonder yes. what the RBA thinks about this, more or less. Hey, guys, what about our policies? Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's the problem the RBA has, and I've, I've, you know, I've long sort of um, talked about how they increasingly become less relevant um, to what's really going on because the, um, the big banks are able to raise this money overseas, and they raise... It's a cat chasing its tail or whatever they say. Now, with that, uh, the market volume saw a bit of a rise. So for, haven't been very high with volumes, but they had a rise in the last week or so. Well, a little bit. I have to say it's not, not been exactly huge. We're still seeing you know, normal days, I say normal, um, around that sort of $3 billion level, which is, which is pretty uh, weak and pathetic considering you know, in, in, in the bull market back in the, in the good old days. getting that time of the year, the company reporting season. It's often it running, is. and I think, how do you see this panning out? Um, well, the, the, the problem is for a lot of these companies, I mean, growth hasn't been spectacular, um, and the market has run quite hard uh, into reporting season. So we do have the issue that if, if you disappoint when we come to reporting, then you will be punished Ooh. severely. You will mm. be sent to the naughty corner for some long period of time. Um, a lot of these companies have tried to soften the market up with confession season, so <laughs> one, one would hope that there aren't going to be too many shockers out there, but um, I suspect we are going to see some, some increased volatility, certainly within, uh, within individual companies, but you know, obviously um, some of the big names of Telstra's this world are going to be uh, looked at quite, uh, quite seriously, especially by self-managed super funds that have been buying these things for, uh, for the yield, so... We'll see, but I, I, I think generally the, 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 um, the, it will be a cautiously optimistic uh, reporting <laughs> season. A little company I noticed, Wham, W-A-M, what does it do? And it seemed to have a, have a good uh, year with its re- results. 
Yeah, Wham is, uh, I guess, is run by one of the industry stalwarts, uh, a guy called Jeff Wilson, and uh, he runs this thing called Wilson Asset Management, which is basically a uh, fund manager, um, and they have a quite a conservative, um, as most most fund managers do, have a quite a conservative approach to investing, and they have had, uh, you know, a, a pretty good year and a, and a pretty good time. Jeff's been around for a long time, so he knows uh, he knows the market, and he's particularly good at um, at communicating to the market. So um, Wham itself is a listed investment company, um, at which, which actually trades at a small premium to its assets, which is, uh, which is somewhat rare because usually these companies tend to trade at a bit of a discount. There's a few that trade at big premiums, um, Affix and the Dejerowas of this world, but um, this one is certainly um, one of the ones that trades at premium, and he's done a very good job. He's a nice guy. Mm. Okay, graphene or graphite, is this the next wonder metal or commodity? Yes. What is it? Without, what is it? without, without question, um, graphene is going to change our world. Um, the, the question is, I guess, um, how they make it in commercial quantities, because it's a very hard thing. Graphene is, is a much more conductive than copper. It's stronger than steel, much stronger than steel, um, and it's flexible, and um, it's... it's it's at the moment not very cheap to uh, to produce, but it can revolutionise smartphones and make them uh, just out of a bit of plastic, uh, which can bend and uh, you know can be folded. So it will revolutionise the world. It's also going to be very useful uh, coming into uh, into um, you know electric cars because uh, it's, it's going to be a major component of batteries that have a long life and not only a long life but we can can be charged very quickly because it is superconductive um, as opposed to copper. So um, it will revolutionise the world, but they can't make it really reliably just yet. Mm, there's a couple of stocks, I believe. Was it Syrah? And there's another one. I can't think of the co- the codes BUX, but uh, they're chasing uh, a bit. Buxton. Buxton, is it? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of heat at the moment for, uh, for graphite stocks, um, and it, it has been the sort of um, the, the wonder kind of area for um, for the stocks and things like Syrah or Syrah have gone from sort of two bucks fifty to uh, to nearly six dollars, so, um, and that's that's only in the last um, you know year or so. So um, there has been some some big rises in these things. Um, whether we whether this is a bit like the tech boom of the early two thousands, where the, the, you know it does take a lot more to actually deliver on the promise than uh, than the hope um, would suggest, but we'll wait and see. This is Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Newcrest Gold has been a little bit of uh, an up and down stock, uh, (laughs) purchasing a company called Lure Gold, I think it was, in uh, New Guinea, which I think the chief there at the stage was uh, Professor Garner, if I remember correctly, in that Lure Gold. Uh, Lahir. Lahir, that's it. It all depends, yeah. Lahir. Sounds like you're actually uh, having a bit of a uh, moment there, Barry. Oh, yeah, seniors moment, it is. What's happening? They've lost a fair bit of money. They've done a spectacularly brilliant job, uh, Newcrest. Um, they have run into some serious problems with it after their takeover of Lahir uh, Gold, which they paid a, a pretty big price for. So um, it hasn't worked out very well for them, um, and the combination of that and a lower gold price has really hurt them. The stocks at one stage was uh, trading near 40 bucks, um, is now trading more like uh, 10 or 11 bucks. But they do seem to have turned um, a bit of a corner with new management. Um, um, and write-offs again on their Lahir purchase. I think they're looking at another sort of one and a half, two billion dollars in writing mm. money off. So 
I mean, I mean and unfortunately, they're not the only ones we've heard today that Rio, um, which paid uh, $3.5 billion for a coal project in Mozambique, has sold it for $50 million. <laughs> Oops. Oops. So that's, Oops. that's a great deal. Another great deal from Rio. Um, they punched the lights out with their purchase of Alcan, um, which they completely stuffed up, and then they punched the lights out with this purchase of this Riversdale coal project in Mozambique. Talking about punching the lights out and stuffing things up, there's a report, mm. I believe, in the Australian Financial Review today that company directors' actions may have accounted for some $50 billion lost over 10 years. Now, that's about $5 billion a year. Where did they lose it? You can't lose that. It's got to go somewhere. Back of the sofa, Barry. Fifty billion. Well, I think it was. I think the report was um, talking about um, independent directors on oh, yes. boards. Mm. And independent directors are a fantastic thing because they're the guys that tell you that the deal that's being put to you is, is not really worthwhile. Um, it's not really worth enough. And a lot of companies then uh, walk away from the deals. And I guess that's where they get that figure from. So I, I think you know, independent directors on a board are a very useful thing. But sometimes they need to uh, remember that it's the shareholders that employ them, pay them, um, and they're there at their behest as opposed to uh, some sort of um, old boys club. Interesting. Uh, I just read this and I thought it's probably really not got much to do with finance, but a gentleman, the chief of the BHP and Vladimir Putin were on opposite sides of the Berlin Wall and I think they met in about 1950. Times change, don't they? They do change. They do change. And at the moment, Mr. Rasputin, as I call him, um, is certainly very much on the nose around the world and he's not a particularly popular um, person. So, um, yeah, interesting that um, Andrew McKenzie uh, was um, was exchanging... Um, Changing platitudes with um, with Putin a long, long time ago, but I guess um, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're running a big uh, multinational uh, commodities company, then at some stage you are going to run into the Russians. You've got to cross because the Russians are very big in resources, I believe. Now there's a new chief yeah. for NAB. Um, yes, there is a new chief executive for the National Australia Bank. Yes, there is. Cameron Klein is. Uh, has, uh, has announced some time ago that he would be bowing out, um, and a new chief has been uh, found. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way they go. And as as we see, um, you know, with um, with chief executives, they tend to come in and, and try and stamp their um, stamp their authority on things. So um, they've named Andrew Thorburn as the uh, as the new CEO. So uh, we will see. Um, He's, he's a, a young guy, so mm-hmm. um, um, he will. Um, he's, his mother's a Kiwi as well, is, I believe. Is it uh, a medieval thing where the new chiefs come in and stamp their mark, or is it an animal thing? You often see the tigers going around in the jungle making their mark on their territory sort of thing. Is it? Does it come from there, do you think, or should well, I move, I think, move away know, from that? Well, one of the things is when the new guy comes in, he always blames all the problems on the last guy because <laughs> it's much easier that way, and then he gets a clean slate. So mm. there is a there is a tendency for new people to... Uh, to wipe the slate clean, if you like, um, shuffle all the problems under the carpet, blame the other guy, and then move on so that you get all the credit when it all starts going right. So that is a time-honoured tradition with uh, with new CEOs, and I'm sure um, that Mr. Thorburn will um, will keep with that tradition at, Interesting, to some it? extent. Twasn't me. Must have been somebody else. Now, must you, have been someone. In one of your reports, you mentioned a company. The code is AMC. Who is it? And something to do with new technology for bottles. 
Yeah, Amcor is the stock. Um, they do all the packaging, basically. They're the, I think they're the third biggest uh, packaging company in the world. A fabulous Australian success story. And they have uh, devised a system where um, instead of blowing the bottles, I guess, with air and, and, and or gas and making the bottle and then filling it with the liquid, they're actually using the liquid to uh, to blow the bottle, which I guess uh, saves a lot of energy, a lot of time, um, and um, hopefully a lot of money as well. So yeah, it's an interesting thing if you can if you can uh, make something out of the, the coke that you put into it. Interesting, isn't it? It seems a simple mm. pr- principle. Why blow it up with air and put liquid in? Why not blow it up with liquid? Anyway, as long as they don't yeah. blow it up with something else. Yeah. Now, now, can you, while we're having a little break, fire up the Learjet and, jet and we'll head off overseas and see what's happening? be my pleasure to fly, Barry. To NURFM 18 to 1. And this is Thursday Finance. I'm not sure whether we're going to Peking, Barry Preston, a market no, snapshot overseas. we're going to land in Spain because they've got some success. They've got their youth unemployment, I believe, Henry, from one of your reports, <laughs> under 20 No, not youth unemployment, total unemployment. Total unemployment. I think youth unemployment is still double that, but their economy is growing at the fastest it's ever been growing at since 2007. So at least it's a step in the right direction, but unfortunately it's still not really flowing through to jobs. I think their their unemployment rate is about 24.45%, which is still pretty much four times Australia. Dear, oh dear. So they'd, have to, they'd have to apply for 160 new jobs a month. <laughs> now, the poor, well, not the poor old USA, but USA house prices have been nothing short of woeful. Then how come if the USA is talking about woeful house prices and they've just finished pumping billions, not finished, but they're still at it, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars into the system? What's happening? Well, Wall Street's going up. Who? Uh, um, the, the U.S. stock market's going up, um, but it does seem that house prices um, seem to have stalled a little bit. Um, I gather anecdotally that uh, getting a loan in the U.S. is uh, still a, an administrative nightmare, um, and a lot of people have, you know, a lot of the um, purchases in the U.S. are actually for cash um, as opposed to uh, through a mortgage. So um, I don't think we're seeing the filter down yet of the, uh, of the into the real economy, although the jobs number has improved, but still I think we're, uh, we're still seeing the US um, needing to have low interest rates to stimulate their economy, at least that's what the Fed says. You know, there must be a lot of money out there. I noticed in your or in the Financial Review that a big price was paid for a teacup, $38.12 <laughs> million for a teacup. Is that correct? It is. I'm a little teacup, short and stout. Wow. Um, it's a lot of money. The guy paid for it with his Amex, I believe, and got 422 million um, um, Amex points, which translated into many, many, many frequent flyer trips. So, <laughs> so maybe he was smart after all. 38 million it, for a cup of tea, a, a teacup. Yeah, it's, um, oh, yeah. it's all getting to look a lot like Christmas. Now, Asians. Asian wealthy may be chasing yield, which is income, of course, by using margin loans. Now, this more or less says, here we go again. What is a margin loan and why? Well, a margin loan is basically whereby a bank or an institution lends you the money to buy shares and in doing so takes those shares as security. They don't lend you 100% of the money and depending on how um, safe or secure or how blue chip those shares are, 
they give you a percentage of that money. Um, maximum usually is around 75 or 80 percent, what we call uh, LVR or loan to value ratio. So um, it is a, a tax efficient way of increasing your leverage and thus your exposure to uh, the stock market. I guess it's not dissimilar to uh, to buying a house with a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're buying an asset with money from the bank. You put a little bit down, and the bank puts in the rest. You keep up the interest payments, and as long as you do, you keep the house. But if you don't, they take your house. In the shares, it's the same principle. Except with shares, you get the dividends, and you also get a, um, uh, a tax incentive as well to, uh, to borrow money for shares. Here we go again. Oh, dear. The UBS, Credit Suisse, and Deutsche Bank may be embroiled in a dark pool scheme. First of all, what is a dark pool scheme? That's nothing to do with swimming pool, is it? My, the dark pool scheme is my pool at the moment. It's bright green, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't look very nice. But a, a dark pool in the market is, is, is kind of an, an off-market, um, very untransparent, and I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a very um, very murky kind of pool where um, buyers and sellers come together and they match the buyers and the sellers without it actually ever hitting the uh, the transparent stock market. And those trades are then just reported to the exchange. So it doesn't allow retail investors or other institutions to access those kind of prices. So um, this is one of the developments that we've seen in the last five, ten years, is these so-called dark pools where uh, brokers operate a kind of exchange all by themselves. Wonderful. You went out for lunch and got caught in a dark pool and never got back. They'd never know where you were. That's right. Henry, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe. Look forward. When are you on Sky again? Next Wednesday. This is Thursday Finance and Barry Preston. We were doing some calculations there about gallons and litres. Ron mentioned that uh, US oil is $3.55 a gallon. Now, we may have this all stuffed up, but on the basis of that, Let's assume it's the $3.55 US. That would be about $3.80 Australian. But if you convert it and using the measurements of litres to American litres to Australian litres. 3.785 litres. $5.98 a gallon if you could transfer your car immediately to America and fill it up over there. $5.98. We'd be paying $5.98, but they pay $3.55. So it's cheaper in America. It's a long way to go to get a gallon of oil. It is indeed. Now, uh, we're looking at uh, your uh, mailbag, Barry's mailbag at the moment. You can get your question into that by sending it to finance at 2NURFM.com. Dividend reinvestment. Now, we often talk about that. Is is that a good strategy to follow with your investments? If I said yes, uh, that would not be a good strategy for a lot of people. But if I said no, that also would not be a good strategy for most uh, for a lot of people. It's a personal thing. It's something you should discuss with your advisor because it must suit your financial needs and strategy. Maybe if you're um, old and you're elderly and you're looking for income, then dividend reinvestment may not necessarily be the good thing for you. If you're young or your parents are starting out and buying some shares for you to create some wealth, then dividend reinvestment would be excellent because instead of that small dividend coming in and getting mingled into your bank account and lost and so forth, you get more shares, which next time they pay a dividend, you you get more shares because you have more shares, which in turn, you get more shares because you have more shares, the compounding effect is the seventh or eighth wonder of the world. So yes, over long term, fantastic. But, 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 whatever you do, keep a record of all those dividend reinvestments because each one you get may, will, I'm something may, but it will cause a 
calculation of capital gains tax down the track. So make sure that you do that. Now, if you decide to go dividend reinvestment with your shares, is it set that? Do you just get one chance to say yes? No, you can change it at any time. You can take a portion of them. You haven't got to take the whole lot, but it's up to the company board whether they decide to keep the dividend reinvestment going because after a while it could build up too much cash in the company with the share issues. Instead of you getting the dividend and paying it out, they keep it and give you a piece of paper, which they end up with more money. <laughs> so, no, it may not be set in concrete. You can change it. Well, Absolutely. that's Thursday Finance for again. today. Thank Dear you, Artie. Barry Preston. will be back next Thursday. Keep safe, everybody. News. Thanks for listening.